podcast. This is Mitchie. So for today's episode, I wanted to go over a case that has been going on for a little over a year now. Uh, This has had a nationwide Amber Alert that has been going on as well. I feel like a lot of people do know this, and they should. This is the case of Summer Wells. But for those of you who may not understand or may not know what's going on, because not everybody is paying attention to what goes on in the U.S., uh, Summer Wells is a five- or now six-year-old girl, given that it's been a year, who went missing from her home in Hawkins County, Tennessee, around June 15th of 2021. Um, When she went missing, there was a huge outcry, and a lot of people online immediately started to blame the parents, thinking that the parents had some sort of involvement in it. And naturally, I can understand why people would assume that, because about a year prior, we dealt with the case of Evelyn Boswell, and she was a 15-month-old girl that had been missing that her mother waited multiple months to even report her missing. And unfortunately, the authorities found her body and ruled that the mother did have some involvement into it. So she's now awaiting trial, I think, like in 2023, so like next year. Um, So naturally, people in Tennessee are going to be very skeptical because this is two cases that happened in the East Tennessee area very close to each other, and people are just very suspicious about the circumstances that surrounded this little girl's disappearance. I mean, to date, a year in, we still don't know any more than what we knew in the beginning on what had happened to her. Everything has just pretty much been speculation after speculation on her parents had an involvement, or there was a co-worker that had a personal vendetta, or there's some sort of drug cartel type of involvement. It's gotten to the point where it's pretty ridiculous, if you ask me. And I'm not trying to be shady or spiteful or hateful towards anybody that's giving this information, because it is important for any type of missing person, especially a child, that if you feel like this is information that needs to be shared, definitely share it. But the problem that I see here is that there has been so much similar information shared that it's been an overabundance and it's caused the TBI to have to literally ask people, please do not call in with this same type of information. Only call in if you have information that you truly feel is pertinent to the finding and rescuing of this little girl. And you can still go online today. I mean, Dr. Phil did an episode, and I do not care for Dr. Phil. I feel like the majority of stuff he does is mainly for the attention, mainly for the popularity that he gets behind it, and just for the drama factor. But we will go into the episode that he did with these parents. Um, You can go on YouTube and see the episode that they uploaded online and see all the comments on the YouTube episode of these people just saying they know 100% for a fact that these parents did it. And while you can't rule out a single suspect, I do have to say please do not focus on one specific thing and say that you know 100% for certain that this is what it is until they're actually caught, they're actually convicted, or there's some sort of big breakthrough 
But the unfortunate thing here is there's not been a breakthrough. And I know it's very easy with the past of these parents, everything that people know, to assume it. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with people assuming this stuff, but this baby has been missing for well over a year. And, you know, the time is always ticking when it comes to these people that are missing, and the first 48 hours are the most crucial time to locate a missing person, and we have well exceeded that time limit. I'm not saying that we cannot find her, that she's not going to turn up okay. I hope and pray, even though I'm not a very religious person myself, I hope to God that this little baby is found safe and that we don't have to deal with another one of these types of cases. But the unfortunate thing is, is um, with all the speculation and all the people that have been into true crime, have looked at cases, compared this to like the JonBenet Ramsey case, I, I feel like it's going to be extremely difficult, if not impossible, to try to find her, but we can always hope for the best. So with that being said, I did want to get into the facts that we do know currently regarding the case. Um, then we can get into some of the speculations because of course they're going to be woven in together. I mean, the majority of this case has been purely speculation at this point on what people think could have happened to her and that's the unfortunate circumstance surrounding her disappearance. So like I said, on June 15th of 2021, Summer Wells, she was five years old at the time. She was outside with her mother and grandmother, and according to the mother, they had been tending to flowers, tending to gardening. Um, depending on who you talk to, it's either a flower bed or flower pots. But on my research, um, one of the investigators in the case stated that it was flower pots because they were asked, well, did you check around the flower bed to see if there was something there? And the reporter or the investigator made the comment that there was no flower bed. They were just flower pots. Um, but anyway, at some point during that time, it was close to supper time, uh, Summer told her mom that she wanted to go inside and play. So she was sent inside. Um, while she was inside, she had told her older brothers that she was going to go downstairs into the playroom. And for those of you who don't know what the house looks like, it kind of looks like a split foyer house where you've got the uh, like the main level and then a basement. So it looks like the playroom might have been sort of in a type of basement area. And according to her mother Candace, when she went in after like helping her mother, she asked her sons, you know, where's Summer? And the sons, Summer's brother, said that, oh, she went downstairs to play. And when Candace went downstairs, she said that Summer was nowhere to be seen and the door was unlocked and opened. So at that point, um, her mother Candace called her father Don at work and said that, I can't find Summer, she's missing. Don says at that point he told her to contact the police and while he was racing there, he contacted the police as well and thus the investigation went underway to look for Summer. So, Summer's description at the time, she was about 
three feet tall, weighing around 40 pounds. Um, she was wearing gray pants and a pink uh, shirt at the time. She possibly could have been barefoot. Um, and at that point in time, she had really short blonde hair, as you can tell from the photos. So they called the police and the Hawkins County Sheriff's responded and apparently they took no time in going out there to locate her and massive search parties were underway. And when this happened, I remember like it was almost immediately it seemed like they had done the report that this child was missing because I think I was um, at work the next day and they were talking about the search parties that were going underway for the area surrounding the Wells house in Hawkins County. Um, they were searching waterways, they were using aerial view, they had ground search, um, dogs, everything. There was a massive group of people just trying to find this little baby. Yeah. But even with this massive group of people, they still were not able to find her and it was very concerning to the entire community. Um, when she went missing, they asked if anybody had any kind of important information to share it. And of course, at this point, because you've got the Amber Alert, you've got news coming out, all these people, if anything looked off to them, they were reporting it. And one of the main things that was reported was there was a suspicious looking, like, 1999 to 2000 model red Toyota truck that had been driving quote-unquote suspiciously in the area but this was one of those first clues that proved to be a dead end because even though a lot of people reported it they could not find the owner of this truck so therefore they couldn't get anywhere so all they knew was okay there was a truck driving around in the area but there wasn't anything that they were able to do. They weren't able to find the owner. The owner of the truck did not come forward. Um, in the initial investigation, they interviewed over 170 people. Uh, they looked through all sorts of digital evidence. So like they looked through the mother and the father's phone. They um, looked at any kind of like computers in the house. They reviewed all sorts of stuff, but they said that again turned up nothing so we're well into 48 to 72 hours and there's still no information and the parents are adamant that that this had to be a stranger we don't know anybody who could have abduct abducted our baby girl and that's I mean pretty quickly there was a lot of speculation because a lot of people that knew the family or were kind of familiar I don't know what it was, but word got out that both Candace and Dawn had troubled pasts. And the troubled past that they had was, you know, Dawn had some DUIs, had some domestic violence charges. Candace had domestic violence as well. Um, there was talk about Candace having issues with losing her children in a prior marriage. Um, I don't know a whole lot about the background of the parents, but I just know that people were talking about how both of them had very troubled pasts in other states with other people, so it caused them to have this criminal record. And because of this criminal record, people definitely gave them the stink eye. It looked at them like, you know more than what you're leading on. So the rumors started flying. 
uh, rumors flew that the parents were trying to give her away to somebody, that they didn't want her, that they hurt her. Um, there was even a point in time that's even mentioned on the Dr. Phil episode that there was involvement with the Cornbread Mafia. And the Cornbread Mafia initially was a group of men that was in the Kentucky area that distributed a large amount of marijuana. Um, but nowadays it's a loose term for organized crime and gangs in southern areas, including Tennessee. I don't know how much truth that actually has. Um, when Candace and Don were on the Dr. Phil episode, each time these quote-unquote body experts or body interpretation, whatever the hell you want to call them, they were people that were just looking at Don and Candace and it's like, uh-huh, we can tell by the way that you're blinking your eyes that you know more than you're letting on. They would bring it up. Candace would get very upset. So I'm going to kind of play devil's advocate here. On one hand, sure, you could see that there's guilt because why would you be getting that upset? But on another hand, you're a mother that just lost your child. You're dealing with people who don't know you online, calling you this monster, calling you this, calling you that. I mean, you're looking at a double-edged sword. Somebody who isn't guilty is definitely going to be upset, and I'm sorry, I don't care who you are, I don't care what you think. There's not one right way to act, and we've seen this plenty of times before in lots of other missing cases. I mean, look at what happened to poor Shannon Watts and her babies, seeing him go on, I'm not even going to say his name because he's a piece of shit, doesn't deserve his notoriety, the way that he acted, wanting them home and everything like that. And then we've seen people like in the Brittany Drexel case with her friends that were very shitty friends, you shouldn't even call them friends, but in the end turned it out that they turned out to have no sort of involvement whatsoever. So you really cannot look at this one way or the other. It's like I say, there's no such thing as black and white when it comes to the crime world like this. It's a very dingy, ugly, gray blanket. There is no one right way for you to look at anything. So you've got people that were defending the family. You've got people that were saying they know way more than what they're letting on. This isn't right. So while they were on Dr. Phil, initially Dr. Phil was, you know, acting like they were suspicious, all this. I mean, if you want to watch the episode, go ahead. I can only watch probably about 20 minutes of it before it just made me sick to my stomach. But in the second part, he was acting like they were completely innocent. So nobody knows anything at this point, and everything that has been going on... I mean, it just leads back to square one on what happened to her, what could it be. Now, in the following months after her disappearance, her brothers were removed from the home. According to Dawn, CPS workers, of course, they do have to open a case for the children that are there. Because anytime you've got a crime case like this going on and there's still children present, you got to look at the best interest of the children. So CPS did come in, they took the kids, um... Don said initially he thought that it was for the best interest, but of course, 
they wanted him back. And this was, this is just four months into Summer's disappearance. We're, we're not even at a six-month mark, a year mark, or anything like that. So a lot of stuff has been going on. But the unfortunate thing about all this stuff going on is none of it was a fact that led anybody one step closer to finding where she was. Um, more speculations came in. They were talking about how there was an aunt that had been missing since 2009 that lived up into Wisconsin. Not into, excuse me, that lived in Wisconsin. I don't see how either one of those correlated with each other. I know it's very suspicious when you look at it from a detective standpoint or a true crime fanatic standpoint. But it didn't seem like either one of those were connected other than fueling the fire that something's going on in this family that they don't know. Um, Don said that he speculated that he had some workers that were high on meth and in Tennessee crystal meth has been a very prevalent issue so it's not surprising that he would think that. But he said what was very suspicious was he fired this worker and the very next day his daughter disappeared. So they turned to this guy and started interviewing him. But unfortunately, he had an alibi that was clear enough to clear him from any suspicion from the public eye for the time being. So then there was another thing that came into play. Uh, Don thought that Candace had been posting videos and stuff on, of Summer online. A lot of parents do this, but it's there's been a very hot situation going on here, especially like on TikTok, where, I mean, just pedophiles in general are being caught and called out for like saving videos of kids and all this disgusting shit. But Don thought that there could also be a possibility that some sort of trafficker, some sort of pedophile, whatever, saw Summer online and targeted her. Of course, there's not been much looked into from that that I can see. I mean, I'm sure uh, Tennessee Bureau of Investigation is doing everything possible to look into this stuff, but the facts are Summer went missing from her home in June of 2021. The parents said they have no idea who could have done this. This is where we last saw her. And that was it. Everything else has just been people calling in tip after tip after tip. They go and investigate to see what this could possibly be. And it turns out to be a dead end. So now we are about a year into the case. Don says it took such a toll on him that he started drinking and it caused a lot of problems. Um, Candace had filed an order of protection because of his drinking, but that was soon dropped. Uh, and then apparently the drinking was still an issue, so he did end up getting arrested and going to jail, but not in regards to Summer's disappearance. It was in regards to driving under the influence. So now we're at a year of Summer being missing and he pens out a heartfelt letter or something pleading for the safe return of his daughter saying that the fam their family has been completely ruined and shattered and he just wants his baby girl back home. Now there's not been a whole lot coming from Candace's viewpoint 
I don't know if it's because they're worried about saying anything because of all of the scrutiny that they have gotten online or if it's out of sheer guilt. Nobody is going to really know and that is the unfortunate thing. The main problem here is we've got a now six-year-old girl who is going to be missing a huge chunk of her life where we don't know if she's alive, if she's, God forbid, dead. But to date, there have been over 2,000 tips to the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation on where she could be. And all of them have not been one bit fruitful in helping find her and bring her back home safely. And that's, I mean, it's really upsetting when you sit there, and as a mother myself, sit there and think, you know, if this was my child, and I was trying so hard that I was reaching out on all sorts of platforms, just trying to find my baby, knowing that maybe there's some kind stranger out there that saw something that didn't look right, and so they reported it, and then you get all this backlash, but then you don't know the true involvement of these parents, so you really don't know which side to take, but a lot of people have been more on the side of thinking that the parents do know something at the very least and are not saying anything. So, to date she has not been found. She is still listed as a missing person, and I can only hope that they will find her. I really hope that this is not going to be another one of those cases where they find a body instead of finding her safe and sound. I mean, it is possible to find a missing child years later. I mean, look at the case I covered with J.C. Dugard. She was able to be found years later. So we can only hope for the best. So that is, so far, all the information that we do have in regards to the disappearance of Summer Wells. So if you have any sort of information or anything that you could come forward with to help the authorities, you can contact either the Hawkins County Sheriff's Office. Um, their phone number is area code 423-272-7121. Or better yet, please call the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation at 1-800-TBI-FIND. You can also email tips to uh, TBI as well. Uh, tips to TBI at tn.gov. Let's do everything that we can to bring this baby back. Find this baby first and ask questions later if need be because over a year, I mean, just hours being away from safety is bad enough for a missing child, but to be over a year and be missing, we need to do everything that we can to find this baby. So I will include the contact information for the Hawkins County Sheriff's Office and TBI, as well as TBI's email, in the show notes. And like I said, if you have any information, please reach out to them so we can bring this beautiful child home. If you have any information that you would like to share or anything that I need to correct myself on, please feel free to contact me as well. You can contact me um, through my email at manicmanorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also contact me through Facebook and Instagram, both at manicmanorpodcast. So until the next episode, everyone, stay safe, and let's try to bring a little bit more light into the world. <laughs>